Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. It's a little early to tell if the new restrictions on Notre Dame's campus are working to bring campus coronavirus cases down. While they wait to see the effects, the health department is worried some students are being less than honest in contact tracing. Notre Dame's new restrictions hope to stop transmission of COVID in dorms, clubs, and dining halls. You kind of have to be more careful on campus just because, you know, the odds of you getting in trouble are fairly high if you are breaking the restrictions. Health officials say while they hope the spread goes down in some areas, the situation is like a double-edged sword. The risk is that you drive some risky behavior into the shadows, which doesn't solve the problem. Last week, the health department caught wind of a gathering at an off-campus bar celebrating being 100 days out from Notre Dame's graduation. When they showed up, more than 300 people were inside not wearing masks. While the possibility for COVID transmission was high, they don't know if any cases were actually spread there. The last time I checked with the contact tracers, they didn't have anybody who said, oh yeah, I was at Finney's. Um, the time frame is right, and I think one of the messages that they tried to get out is that you know, there is a bright line, um, kind of the seal of the confessional between what you tell the contact tracers and the university's disciplinary process. The health department also worries that students might be under-reporting their close contacts so their friends don't have to disrupt their life by quarantining. I had to quarantine three times last semester. I never got it. This Notre Dame sophomore said he thinks people are honest in contact tracing and they're taking the increased safety measures seriously because they want to stay on campus. Classes are just kind of worthless in my opinion. You don't really learn much. It's tough to pay attention. Um, and just like being around your friends too. The health department knows that COVID doesn't spread in the classroom, but they need more help pinpointing the nature of social gatherings where transmission happens. You know, the concerns are, um, are there smaller gatherings in the dorms that pose increased risk? Or is it, you know, off-campus restaurants, bars, or other parties off-campus? And that's where the students can be the most helpful by providing more insight into that. Which could then further inform the university's policies. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. Now a more general look at how we're doing with the coronavirus locally and across Indiana. Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox speaks with Leanne Tokars on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Does the county have enough supply at this point for today's appointments and for the rest of the week for that matter? So we're, we've got enough for today's appointment. We're expecting a big shipment, really two shipments today. Some of that we'll have to pay back to everyone we borrowed from last week, uh, but then that would supply our supply us through the rest of this week. So, so at this very point, people don't need to worry about their Correct. appointments. Yep. We will not have to reschedule anyone at this point. Okay. Do you know, I mean, two shipments coming later than expected. Do you know why the delay? So last week, part of it clearly was weather, um, both at the distribution hubs and, and in the state, because the vaccine comes into the State Department of Health and then gets routed out across the state. Um, but weather delays in Memphis and Louisville had an impact on the, those shipments. 
the week prior, the state had received a smaller allotment than they were anticipating. And so they had prioritized the, the shipments to the federally qualified health centers. Those are community health centers that generally are set up specifically to serve underserved populations. And so for matters of equity, they chose to prioritize the federally qualified health centers. And so the hospitals or local health departments got a either got nothing or got a much smaller allotment. So it was kind of a double whammy of those things back to back. The health department was able to borrow Moderna vaccines in order to fill appointments on Friday. And I assume that's how you're doing Wednesday, it today. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and today. Uh, we begged and borrowed, we didn't have to steal. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Does, the, does that mean that these other sites have extra vaccine just sitting there? Well, again, because the federally qualified health centers had been prioritized 10 days ago, we knew that they had a stock on hand and some of them have not been able to fill all their appointments every day so they've had same day or next day appointments and so we were kind of hedging our bets that they might have a little surplus fortunately they did and they were able to share that with us now assuming johnson and johnson gets approval later this week are you hearing any word on when the county could get the doses bumped up we haven't heard anything about a time frame there's a lot of discussion about you know what's the strategy how would we use those um, and you know, there, those are some really difficult uh, discussions about if you, if you open the menu and you've got A, B, or C, and we know that A and B are both, Pfizer and Moderna are very highly efficacious, and Johnson & Johnson somewhat less so, and yet still wildly better than our average flu vaccine, for instance. So it's not like it's a dog, okay? Um, but if you're given that menu, most people are gonna say, yeah, I'd like either A or B. Uh, I think the messaging around that is really, really tricky. When do you expect the state to open the eligibility to 60 and older? You know, we were expecting it last week, and I think because of the supply issues, they held off. So we were expecting it this week, but I'm not, I don't have any word on a time frame for that. Will so. you be able to handle that new wave? Yeah, I think, you know, whenever they open a new wave, the registration site gets overwhelmed for a day or so, and then things smooth out. So. Um, but we're certainly hopeful that we'll expand that this week. I wanted to ask you, a new study shows the single dose of the Pfizer vaccine, and there's been a lot of talk about this, can be up to 90% effective after 21 days. Why then get the second dose, especially given the supply issue? Yeah, so I think there are, uh, you know, the original clinical trials were set up to demonstrate how effective two doses are. So that's, you know, that's the gospel truth, right? That's what we, we can hang our hat on. Now there is emerging data, and especially with the variants you know, surrounding us, we haven't identified any here, but that really makes a compelling argument to let's get one dose in twice as many people and be a little bit less concerned maybe about the timing of the second dose. But we're still waiting on the FDA review of that before we see a widespread change in policy, I think. So at this point, would you recommend that people take it upon themselves to get the first dose and, and be done? I think absolutely people should get the first dose. I think they ought to get the second dose when it's available. Um, but I think, I think that policy issue of should we be prioritizing a first dose for more people is an important topic for discussion. I wanted to ask you, the state is seeing big improvements in case numbers lately. Why are our numbers improving? When I go out in the public, I don't necessarily see any big changes. Is it because more people have had the virus or more people are getting vaccinated? Why are these numbers improving? I think there are a couple different factors. One is, you know, 10%, 12% of the county have had the virus already. So they have some level of protection. Um, 
a comparable number, 13, 14% have now had at least a dose of the vaccine. And so they have some level of protection. So the, the pool in the middle that are still susceptible um, is shrinking. And even modest behavior changes, positively or negatively, when you have a smaller pool, have a more profound impact. So people can be doing all the same things, but the pool of susceptible people is smaller. And I think that's what we're seeing in, in the improvement in numbers. Does that mean we're getting a little bit closer to this herd immunity? Closer, but I fully expect to see another increase in cases, whether it's from a variant hitting the community or just kind of the natural progression as immunity wanes from a prior infection. So we are seeing you know, a lot of reinfections in the community. Uh, not a lot. We're seeing a number of reinfections in the community now because we had a, a whole bolus of people that got infected in the fall. We know they're pretty well protected for 90 days, but then it starts to tail off. And so as people are out four months from a prior infection, five months, we're seeing some of them reappear as reinfections. Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Additional details now about a proposed plan to redesign Marquette Montessori and Measle Elementary Schools in South Bend. The two schools have four consecutive years of failing state grades. The district is trying to avoid a state takeover of the schools, which would happen with five straight years of Fs. On Monday, the school board votes yes or no on approving a redesign plan. It gives the two schools more autonomy and extra money for teachers who work there. But less than a week away, the details aren't quite finalized. $5,000 yearly stipends for Marquette and Measle teachers, anti-racism training, and social-emotional learning are all new details of the redesign. What we are doing now is we're putting more meat on the bones as our team continues to negotiate. That plan presented at school board meeting. Plans are just barely done by the time they're proposed to the board, so there isn't enough time for the there isn't enough time for the board to sufficiently review the plan. On a meeting with parents on February 10th, Superintendent Todd Cummings said he had hoped to have a negotiation with the teachers union completed a week ago. You know that hasn't happened. You're still in negotiation. So what exactly has been the holdup? Yeah, I don't believe it's been so much of a holdup. It just about getting it right. The president of the union indicating at last night's board meeting that they've made progress. We've had a great um, deal of um, positive communication and collaboration. Cummings says he's confident they'll have a plan by the vote on Monday. But even if the local redesign passes, it doesn't guarantee that the State Department of Education will automatically reset the years of failing grades. Extremely frustrating that the plan has so little reassurance from the folks that are making decisions about this ultimately. This parent wants some assurance from the state that the grades will be reset. What things have you been you know, doing to kind of try to ensure that you will be able to get it approved through them? We've been working our contacts, we've been communicating, we've been in conversations with the turnaround office and with Secretary Jenner. The redesign that's proposed is an alternative to forming an innovation zone. That was another option that the district presented which would automatically reset the failing grades but would also automatically kick teachers out of the union. Both the superintendents and parents that I've spoken to say they prefer the redesign option. Once again, WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. A local school district saw the percentage of students getting F's last fall double compared to the previous fall, and districts across the country are seeing the same thing. They've had mostly online learning since March. A newspaper report late last fall gave an early clue this was happening. The Washington Post story in November showed that districts in Virginia, Texas, and Minnesota were seeing huge increases in the percentage of students earning F's. And students of color and from lower socioeconomic backgrounds saw the biggest increases. With the fall semester now complete, 
I wanted to find out if local districts that are mostly online are seeing similar trends. The short answer, that's how it looks. We have seen this fall about a doubling of the number of student Fs in our high school. Mickey Wagner is Concord School's chief academic officer. He says when you compare fall 2019 to fall 2020, there was a dramatic increase in Concord High School students failing classes. I believe it was in the neighborhood of 9% to 17%. Wagner says that Fs in high school are especially concerning because the district has to then work with students and parents on credit recovery initiatives to make sure students can still graduate. It's definitely a problem. Um, and we're working hard to try to address it. Wagner gave me an example. For those students who are failing classes because they're not showing up for online learning, high school counselors and administrators are doing their best to check in. In December, for instance, Wagner says Concord High School visited 167 student homes. Students who have multiple barriers to learning, it just, you know, having to learn virtually creates one more barrier. Part of the district's plan to help students with credit recovery expanding the summer school program this year. What does it typically look like and what is it going to look like this summer? In a typical summer, we would offer generally one round of high school courses that, that are a mix of aiming for credit recovery and for students who want to get ahead of the game. This summer, Wagner says there will be two full sections of summer school and with more credit offerings. For instance, the K-8 program would normally be just eight days. This summer, it'll be three full weeks. The plan is to have summer school leading into the fall. First, to provide a springboard into the new school year, and second, to give time for people to get the coronavirus vaccine. In Mishawaka schools, it's a similar story. The number of Fs that we've seen um, significantly higher than what we would see in a normal year. As the district's assistant superintendent of curriculum instruction, Sarah Hickel says part of the difficulty in combating rising failure rates is that there isn't one universal solution. She says the burdens students face are multifaceted, and the solutions have to be two. Parents could have lost jobs, and that is putting a financial burden. Um, you know, quarantines can put a burden on a student. Hickel didn't provide a specific percentage increase in Fs like Wagner, but she did identify those who are being disproportionately impacted by the switch to online learning. Our students who are already at a disadvantage heading into COVID um, are the ones certainly that are being impacted the most because those barriers haven't gone away. Mishawaka Schools has 65% of students on free and reduced price lunch. And as this report on Fairfax Schools in Virginia shows, Students whose socioeconomic status or home situation have historically barred them from academic achievement are slipping further behind with online learning. Over the state border in Michigan, Bridgman schools went online at the end of the spring, but the district returned to in-person learning this year. According to Superintendent Shane Peters, the district saw a very slight increase in Fs in the spring. Our spring was probably less than 1%. Since students returned to in-person learning this fall, no increase compared to fall 2019. Peter says that underlined how important face-to-face -face learning is. But he says, as the superintendent of a district that's in a fortunate position financially, it also highlights another lesson. The inequity um, in the educational system, um, not only in Michigan or Michiana, uh, but across the United States. Peter says that he recognizes that his peers in other local school districts don't have the same resources and haven't been able to afford the same safety measures to stay face-to-face. WSBT 22's Tolly Taylor reporting. The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on the Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 